0: Gathering of Mosaic. My name is Ryan, and uh, it's such a privilege to be here with you tonight. Can we take a deep breath together? I need it. I don't know about you, but you probably need it too. How was Thanksgiving? Did we have a good time, good break? Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, the end of Thanksgiving means we're in the season of Advent, and It is just one of our most favorite around here. Advent is a time where we come together to both remember and celebrate with joy the first coming of our Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. And with hopeful anticipation, we patiently await the next. And this year, you've seen this logo quite a bit, Thy Kingdom Come, we've We've bounced in and out of this little series throughout the year where we just really wanted to explore, like, what, what does this kingdom he offer look like? And we talked about a lot of things. We talked about the mission of God throughout this year. We talked about um, how to actually live out what he set us here to do. We've talked about power and politics. We've talked about prosperity, and we're closing it out with Advent, what a better close to the word, thy kingdom come, than the kingdom coming. And this year, in, for Advent, we have these Family Devo booklets. I'm holding one in my hand. Uh, please pick them up out at the booth in the foyer. You can do this with your community group. You can do this with your friends and neighbors. You can do this with your family. Um, and it will just take you to take you through weekly Uh, through this season of Advent. It'll be a good resource for you. Also, if you hold your phone up and scan this code, uh, our staff, our whole staff here at at Fellowship has submitted um, prayers, devotionals for you. And uh, you can subscribe to these and get them in your inbox daily uh, every single day throughout this month leading up to Christmas. And uh, it's just a really neat time, a neat way to start your day and uh, to hear the heart from your staff uh, poured out for you guys. Um, another neat thing about Advent uh, is we often like to try to bring in some kind of uh, ancient liturgy, but maybe make it a little fresh. And uh, one of our leaders here, his name's Hannah Hawley, and I'm going to invite her up to the stage. She wrote um, prayers uh, for us um, to be read in the service, she, re- she wrote one for each week throughout Advent, and I'm going to ask Hannah to read that over us now.
1: Hey, Mosaic. All right. I'm going to read this together, or shall I just read it? That's up to you. Okay. I'll read it over you. If you want to close your eyes, you can. If you want to keep them open and read along, but whatever it takes, let these, these words be a cry of your heart right now. And a cry is in his body. Who is this king who came and tore through all that was bleak to give his people a song of hope to sing? Who is this king who says, Lift your eyes, the victory's won by my sacrifice? Jesus, King of Hope. In all compassion, you walk next to us, knowing full well what it is to face this world. You know the temptations, you know the pain. You're not blind to the cost of bearing your name. In this world, you have promised that trouble will come, but we hope and take heart because you've overcome. So we watch fear fade away, we watch hope take its place. Though we're pressed on all sides, our solid rock remains. So we stand today, grounded in the thrill of hope in you, King Jesus in your sacrifice, and your steadfast faithfulness, and your friendship, and your presence, in your every promise. Oh, hope of eternal life as we joyfully anticipate your return. Inspire us to endure, to trust that your hands hold our tomorrows secure. Christ Jesus, renew our strength as we wait, that we would run and not grow weary, that we would walk and not faint, Overflow us in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit until the day that our faith becomes sight, when the sun returns to end the night and all that's dark is won by your light. Jesus, King of hope, thank you for coming. You're changing everything.
2: Who's the guy?
0: Church, as we give our offering tonight, take a moment to pray this prayer.
3: the curse
0: ourselves unto you we lay back into your arms in this place For jesus our hope amen you can be seated
4: As Ryan said earlier, about a year ago, we launched into that uh, four-part series, uh, Thy Kingdom Come, and we kind of walked through that over the year in different pieces, Um, and we're we're wrapping it up uh, this year by by sitting in Advent and thinking about the King who came and the King who is coming. And so there's a sense in which uh, we're living between the Advents. And so, as we walk through these uh, these next few weeks of Advent, and we think about Thy Kingdom come, we, we're going to be thinking about kind of a, what was it like for those people, primarily the Old Testament uh, saints, as they waited for the first Advent, as they waited for the promise of God to be fulfilled, as they looked forward to that first coming of the promise. And we're gonna listen to some of the things that they have to say to us about the idea of waiting, of looking forward, of believing and trusting and hoping in those things. But we're also then going to think about what does it mean for us because we're on the other side of that first advent. What does it mean for us to live between the advents, to look back and see the king came and still believe that the King is coming? How do we live in that now and not yet balance of Advent? And so that's what we're going to be doing through this series. We're going to be be living between the Advents and looking back at the King who came and the one who is coming. And tonight we're going to be looking at Jesus as our King of hope. Hope can be defined as an expectation of the fulfillment of something desired or promised. I was talking to Kathy earlier and I was telling her, I was, I was trying to come up with the word for what hope is. It's a thing, but I'm not sure exactly what it is because it's, it's not a feeling, but it has feelings attached to it. Um, it's not a belief, but it is, it is intricately woven into our beliefs. It's not a fact, although it is rooted in and based on truth. And so I'm kind of trying to figure out what is the thing that hope is. And I told her right now, the only thing I know of is uh, hope springs eternal and hope floats. And I don't even know what that means. Every time, I, every time I've heard that uh, title, Hope Floats, all I think about is ivory soap. You know, Some of you are old enough to know what I'm talking about. The old ads about ivory soap, it floats. I don't know what it is, but hope floats. But as we kind of dig into hope, one of the things that I've enjoyed kind of digging in is realizing we as the people of God, the followers of Jesus, we are the only people I know who have a true, reasonable foundation for hope. We of all people are the most hopeful. We of all people have the most reason to hope. Hope carries the idea of waiting and watching expectantly, looking forward to something assured, Assured that it will happen. Hope is a universal thing. In fact, some people would say that hope is essential for our continued existence. I heard someone talk about the necessity of hope, and they put it this way <clears throat> A person can live a few weeks without food, a few days without water, but only a few seconds without hope. Hope is essential for the human existence. The writer Fyodor Dostoevsky said, to live without hope is to cease to live. When we as human beings, when we lose hope, life starts to go away. We need hope so much that we will even create false hope just to give us something to hang on to. We live in denial or we develop superstitions or we just lean on wishful thinking to try and find hope. But every one of us knows the emptiness of false hope and that ultimately it gives no hope at all. So I want you to find your way in your Bible to the book of Lamentations chapter three. Lamentations chapter three, May take you a minute to get there because we don't go there often, and it's a small book. It's just behind the book of Jeremiah. So while you're getting there, let me give you the background for our text tonight. The book of Lamentations is one of the darkest and most hopeless feeling books in the entire Bible. It is actually a collection of five poems or songs of lament. And Jeremiah wrote these as he watched the city of Jerusalem, the city of God, the city where the temple of Yahweh was, be invaded, destroyed, and emptied by the Babylonians. As he was watching what was happening to his home, to his people, to everything that he loved, he wrote these five laments. He watched his people taken into captivity. He watched everything and everyone that he loved go away. And it's no wonder that Jeremiah is often referred to as the weeping prophet. That's the background for the book of Lamentations. So it is against this incredibly dark backdrop that we drop into chapter 3, beginning in verse 21 and going through verse 24, and we find in this most hopeless of books some of the most hopeless or hopeful words of all of Scripture. So hear the word of the Lord, Jeremiah 3:21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. To lament is to express passionately great grief and sorrow. And as Jeremiah is grieving over all that's happening around him and to him, he gets to a point just before the passage that we read where he says, my hope is gone. It's just depleted. But then we come to this text that we just read and he says, but but I remember something. I'm in this hopelessness, and then I remember something. I call something to mind, and then I have hope. I think all of us can relate to, uh, in part at least, to what Jeremiah is saying. Uh, We've all known sorrow and grief and sadness that felt like it was about to swallow us up. Chuck Swindoll uh, wrote, Suffering is a universal language. Tears are the same for Jews or Muslims or Christians, for black or white or brown, for children or adults or elderly. We all know what it's like to feel sadness, grief, to the point that we become almost hopeless, When we are in such a place, where do we find hope? Not the empty hope of denial or superstition or of wishful thinking, but hope that has a foundation and a substance to it. Hope that we can anchor our souls to and hold fast to. Jeremiah said he remembered some things and found his hope renewed. And so I want us to look at what he says to see where we can find this hope. And he gives us four things. The first thing he gives us, our hope is in the steadfast love of God. In verse, 22, he says, this I, or in verse 21, he says, this I call to mind. In verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The phrase steadfast love is actually just one word in Hebrew. It's hesed. I can't speak Hebrew very well. But that's a word, and the reason I give it to you because it's a word you need to be familiar with. It's an important word in the Old Testament. It carries a lot of weight for just a small word. Throughout the Old Testament, it's translated as loyal love, steadfast love, loving kindness, goodness, mercy, favor, and a whole lot more words. So you can see that this one little word, I said carries a broad idea of meaning. To try and capture what it means actually takes several words and phrases. Probably my favorite uh, explanation, I won't even call it a definition, my favorite explanation or description of what this word means comes from Sally Lloyd-Jones in the Jesus Storybook Bible. She calls it a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? How would you like to be loved like that? Never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That is the love of God. And it's an important word also because it's the most commonly used word to describe God's covenant love with his people. Whenever he talks about making covenant with his people and he does that out of his love, this is the word that he used. It is not the love, the general love that he has for his creation. Although sometimes it's used for that. But it is more specifically the love he has for those people that he has entered into covenant with that he has made promises to, that he has said, you are mine and I choose you. That's the love. And so Jeremiah says, when I remember this love that God has for his children, my hope is renewed. Why? Because he remembered God never stops loving his people. Never. God never stops loving us. You see, we live in a culture where love is conditional and temporary. And so many of us, all we really know of love is love is based on Whatever the conditions are, I love you as long as, or I love you if, or I love you when, but but we always know there's a condition. There's always that possibility that the conditions won't be met. And so therefore, there's always a way out and love is temporary. That's the kind of love that most of us grow up or, or are surrounded by in our culture. And so it's hard often for us to conceive of a love that doesn't stop no matter what, but God's love for us is not based on performance or perfection. God doesn't love you because of what you can do or what you don't do. God doesn't love you because of what you can bring to the the relationship. God doesn't love you as long as God just loves you. It is as steadfast and sure as he himself. In Romans chapter eight, Paul talks a little bit about this love and he he reminds us uh, that nothing above or below, within or without, no circumstance or experience, no human or spiritual power can ever separate God's children from his love for us. So no matter how bad things get, no matter how dark and evil your situation is, God has not and will not stop loving you. And Jesus tells us that the proof of that love is that God sent Jesus to us. For God loved us so much that he sent his only son. Often when we begin to feel hopeless, we feel like no one sees us that no one hears us and no one cares about us. And that's when we need to remember that Jesus came to prove to us, to show to us, to remind us that God's love never ceases. It's a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And we can anchor our hope in the steadfast love of God. Jeremiah says, this I remember and it gives me hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The second thing he tells us, our hope is anchored in the endless mercies of God. He goes on and says in the end of verse 22, his mercies never come to an end. And then he says in verse 23, they are new every morning. If we will be honest, often our hopelessness is self-induced, isn't it? We become so aware of our own brokenness, our own sin, that we have a hard time believing that God could or would rescue us. And that was the case in Jeremiah's day. The reason that all these bad things and, and lamentations and um, He also refers to them in in the book of Jeremiah. The reason that all these bad things were happening to, to God's people was because they wouldn't obey him. Time and again, He sent word to them, calling them back to repent, to turn away from their sin, to leave uh, the wickedness that they were living in behind and come back to Him. Return to me, He says. Come back to me, He says. And they kept pushing Him away and rejecting Him again and again and again. And so finally, the judgment they deserved and the judgment that He had warned them of came. And that's what was happening in the book of Lamentations. They were living in the consequences of their own sinful choices. But God's intent was not to destroy them. God's intent was to bring them back to himself. So many of you are familiar with Jeremiah 2011. Speaks about God's plans for good and a future and a hope. So you might have it on a coffee cup or a print on the wall or on the front of your journal, Lily. I saw that. That verse was written to these people. That verse was written to people who were undergoing the judgment and the chastisement of God and who were asking the question, have we out God's mercy? Have you ever been there? Where you weren't sure if maybe that one was one too far? That maybe, just maybe, you had out sinned the mercy of God. That's where they were. And in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, God speaks to them. And he says, no, no, my plans for you are for good and not evil to give them a future and a hope, a hope. In the midst of their hopelessness, he said, no, no, no. There's always hope. Why? Because his mercies never come to an end. The mercies of God never come to an end. God's mercy is never used up. Jeremiah says his mercies are never, they never come to an end. They're new every morning. So no matter how much of God's mercy you used up today, and some of us have used a lot, when we wake up in the morning, guess what we get? Fresh new batch of mercy. Every single morning, God says, new mercy for you, more mercy for you new mercy, new grace. Our heavenly Father is merciful and kind. He promises that even the hard things of our life, whether they come from our own sin, self-induced, whether they come from the sin and the brokenness of others or whether they just come from the brokenness of the world we live in. God promises that those hard things he can and will use to bring about good, to bring us to himself because he is merciful and we can hope in the endless mercies of God. The third thing he says That he remembers. He says, Our hope is in the great faithfulness of God. We anchor our hope in the faithfulness of God. It's easy for us to fall into the trap of believing that our hope lies in our faithfulness to Him. And then when we begin to realize how weak and faithless we often are, our hope begins to fade. But Jeremiah reminds us our hope is not in our ability to be faithful to God, but in God's faithfulness to us. Great is your faithfulness, he says. When sin invaded the world and all of creation, and it was all broken by Adam and Eve's disobedience, God came to them and promised them that he would make it right. Did you hear that? He didn't say, well, you guys messed it up, now you got to fix it. And it's all up to you. It's up to you to put it back. He just looked at them and said, I'm going to fix this. In Genesis chapter three, the very first promise of hope, I'm going to fix this. And he promised that he would make it right. And in fact, the rest of the Bible can be seen as the story of God keeping that promise until we get to the end of the book, the book of Revelation, the very last promise part. And we read that God says, and I am making all things new. I'm fixing what you broke. I'm putting it back the way it's supposed to be. God always keeps his promises. He will keep his promise to make things all, all things right again. In fact, we're encouraged in Philippians 1 that he says just as God began the work in us, he will be faithful to bring it to completion. We can have hope, not because we are faithful. We can have hope because God is faithful. And then the last thing he says is our hope rests in the presence of God He says in verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. This idea, the Lord is my portion, is used in the book of Psalms several times as well. And one man uh, writing uh, kind of a commentary on the Psalms, he said, he used to always think when he read that phrase, he would always think of pie. This is a good season to think of pie, right? He said, I always thought of pie. And he said, For some reason, it's it's as if God was a pie and I would get a slice of God as my portion. But that's not what this means at all. This is not a slice of something. The word portion actually carries the idea of an inheritance. And he says, God is your inheritance. He, you get all of him, not just a little piece of him. God is yours. And he said, therefore, I will hope In him. Our hope is in the presence of God himself with us. Have you ever been in a situation where you wondered, where is God when I'm suffering, when I'm lonely, when I'm afraid and I'm hopeless? The answer is he's with you. He's right there in the middle of it with you because he's promised he will never leave or forsake us and that even in the darkest valleys, the ones that take us into the very presence of death itself, he is with us. So in Matthew 1, as the angel was declaring the coming of Jesus This is what he says. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. As we live between the advents, we live with the fulfillment of the promise. The promise that God made all the way back in the Garden of Eden. I'm gonna fix this. And he came to be with us. In the first advent, Jesus came as the fulfillment of every covenant God had made with his people. He's the seed of the woman that God promised Adam and Eve who would crush the serpent's head. He is the son of Abraham who would bring blessing to all the people of the world. He is the son of David who would be the prince of peace. He is the Messiah who would bring the kingdom of God to earth. The first advent was the beginning of the end of the fulfillment of God's promise. So we live between the advents. We look back at Jesus' first coming And we see God's steadfast love, his endless mercy, his great faithfulness, and his very presence with us in the person of Jesus Christ. And we remember and we have hope. Because you see, Jesus is both the source and the object of our hope. Let's pray. Jesus, as we think about you, what your coming means, what your first coming has meant to us and means to us, what the promise of your second coming means, Lord, I pray that you will fill our hearts with hope. So Lord, for those who may have come in here tonight feeling like their hope is gone, it's been used up, Would you help them remember? Remind them of this truth. Would you fill them with hope? Lord, as we live between the first coming, looking forward to the second coming, Lord, some days it's really hard. Sometimes sin is so big, both in my own heart and in the world around me. And I struggle to have hope. Lord, sometimes it's hard to believe that things will ever get any better. God, would you remind us and give us hope?
2: Stand before your Maker. Full of wonder, full of fear, come behold his power and glory, here with confidence draw near. For the one who holds the heaven and commands the stars above is the God who bends to bless us with an unrelenting love. Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise, rejoice, sing the mercies of the King and with trembling. Be our children of the promise, the beloved of the Lord, one with everlasting kindness, but with sacrificial blood, bringing reconciliation to a world that longs to know the affections of our Father, who will never let them go. Rejoice. Come and lift your hands and raise your voice He's worthy of all praise, rejoice Sing the mercies of your King And with trembling rejoice And all our sickness, all our sorrow Jesus carried up the hill He has walked this path before us He is walking with us still Turning tragedy to triumph Turning agony to praise There is blessing in the battle So take heart and stand amazed Rejoice When you cry to Him He hears your he will wipe away your tears Rejoice In the midst of suffering He will help you sing Rejoice Come and lift your hands and raise your voice And worthy of all praise Rejoice Sing the mercies of your King, and with tripling, rejoice.
4: So tonight we light the candle of hope. Before Jesus left, knowing that we were going to be living between the Advents, he gave us something to remind us. And Jeremiah said, I'm reminded. He gave us something to remind us of where our hope comes from. So he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you'll remember me. Oh, and by the way, I'm coming back to take it with you again. So tonight, with hope... Let's take the bread and remember the body of Christ that was broken for us. Let's take the cup and remember the blood of Christ that was shed for us. Mosaic, would you stand and receive a benediction from the word of the Lord? If you need prayer when we dismiss, our prayer team is always going to be up front available to you. If you're struggling with hopelessness, they'd love to pray through that with you. Receive this from the Lord. May the God of hope fill you all with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you, Mosaic.